Okay, I have, to, I have to cover. I have to talk after that intro. <laughs> okay, okay, show's over. We're done. That was enough. We can't top it. That was our no our welcome. That's Rob. Obviously, thank everybody. I want to thank everybody for following the show last year. We did our best numbers. We had some great guests. This is. The new year, I guess, I think. It's been a while since we've been on. That explains why I've been sitting here for three months. Okay, there. <laughs> He's been waiting for this for He's months. He's like Michael Myers waiting for this. Is anybody coming? <laughs> He's our own Michael Myers just waiting, biding his time. He's slipping pizza under the door once in a while. Yeah, I right. suppose this is our throb, obviously. This is... I just started calling these our new seasons, and we're making this up as we go along. And this will be on in, what, 2022? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is, this is our new season. We had a couple repeats that people requested that were some of our most popular shows. The second season. Remember those things in the 60s? The second season. The mid-season And we have, we have Paul joining us, thankfully. Hey, everybody. Our <laughs> peanut gallery is not here today. She's no. home. Yeah, yeah, well. And we have, of course, our second banana. We've been sitting here for three months anticipating Greg. Is anybody here? That's an awesome beard. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, well, it's been... Now there's no there's no bug problem in here, I guess. <laughs> and the garbage is clear outside in the back. That's it. How are those bad banana peas? <laughs> well, you know. And I call this like our urine review, which, come on, you've heard our holiday shows. You think, pretty clear, thank about, you. you think we're going to talk fine. about anything? <laughs> Especially 2021. Which is, but we were talking a little bit about Frank Zappa, actually, and, like, Greg has his mixed feelings on him. And, of course, Paul's always wearing the shirts that our guests, if when they come in, always talk about, because he's got the cool rock shirt, so he's got his Zappa shirt. I've always got my black rocker shirt on. I've got my Zappa shirt on. He's got the cool vibe. I, I was just I was just saying that I appreciate the musicality, but I'm, I don't really, I don't know, his lyrics and the sarcasm, it just it seems like, I like, I like deeper lyrical, just, to me... I'm not even. I don't even like comedians that just make fun of everybody because to me that's just mean. It's just like mean spirited. It's just you know. It's like okay, you think this is. I mean, that's like me writing a song about Billie Eilish and how much I don't like. <laughs> I could say, "Oh, pretty goth bitch," you know, whatever. But you know, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm just not. That was my opinion. Yeah. Blame but musically, musically you can't touch the guy because so, his, his composition. But blame Adriana for that. I have Billy Eilish's book at home. She got <laughs> me into it. I watched her on uh, sound, well, Austin City Limits. Hey, yeah, but back what to, do I know? I'm sitting here in a room with nobody for three months, and she's out there. So, hey. <laughs> the, the thing about Zappa, though, getting back to Zappa, yeah. is uh, I saw him a couple of times. I saw him at Syracuse back in the 70s. I saw him in, in Rochester in the 80s. And you know how people yell out, like, you know, Encore, and then somebody yelled, yelled Whipping Post. Yeah. When he played in Rochester, somebody yelled Whipping Post, and they did Whipping Post. Right. <laughs> and they replaced the uh, the guitar solo with uh, with horns. Oh, nice. It was epic. On the spot. On the spot. Yeah, well, that's the caliber of people. Ryan Adams, he is not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I could see him do that. He's probably, they're, I suppose, in a way like Beefheart, not as much, but I'm sure those musicians to play that kind of stuff have to be very, very well-versed. Right. And they probably can add lib. You know, it's like imagine like playing for Dylan for a lot of the years where he would make his setup just before they went on. Imagine him would be prepared yeah. for that. 
Yeah. You know, it's weird. Last The other day I was at the store. Well, I teach lessons at the store, but they have a lot of used gear and, and records and stuff. So I found a couple of VHS tapes, I thought. So he had a music section. And I found this Rod Stewart one, the Vagabond Tour, like 92-ish, I guess. And I started watching this thing last night. I stayed up till almost 4 o'clock watching this thing. The band, he had a huge band. I mean, like horn players and a couple of these like soul singer type gospely guys. And he had them up front with him. And he had like this great band. But there was so much going on. Like there were cadenzas everywhere. Like the guitar player got a spot. The horn players got a spot. It just seemed like it was just a really, really cool show. And I was really impressed with the way it was put together. I mean, that took a ton of rehearsing. And not a music stand in sight. <laughs> Which I have a lot of credit There's for. There's actually one of the best intros. I read Carmen Apice's book, or Apice, however you pronounce, <laughs> pronounce it now. And you have to wash your hands after reading it first of all. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. stuff in it. But the intro by Rod Stewart is classic because he goes on, I respect Carmen. Yes, I fired him when he worked for me, but I still, <laughs> yeah. still like him and everything else. But there's something actually you bring up. I was just reading a book on Led Zeppelin, a new one. It was more to read about like 1960s rock. And I think. I don't know if we have that these days where there was a sense of competition then where you tried to be first, where like Cage yeah. was really, really upset because when he was starting with Zeppelin, he would always hear, well, oh, this was done on truth already. And he couldn't be right. truth. And people were doing it. Paul McCartney said when he heard like the acetate for uh, Pet Sounds, he knew they had to up their game. Yeah. And I don't think that really goes on anymore here. You know, in terms of music, where people are like following what other yeah, people they're just do. on to the next thing. Yeah, and, and you're only as good as your last hit, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it is kind of that has kind of disappeared. I mean, I do think there's a thing now. There's a difference. We've had Kim Draheim on. He said it well. They really cared about music in the '60s. Like, take some albums. Like, the one executive they pushed Quicksilver because they liked it. They weren't selling. But like Dylan, he took about time with three, four albums to take off. Right. I think now. Of course, it's always going to be part of the music scene. You want to sell records. But I think you had people in there who really cared about finding the artists. Now I think it's more, let's just get somebody, the image, whatever, they can sell. They'll be gone in like two or three years. We'll get somebody else. It's a producer's game now. It's not even really a musician's game, hardly, unless you write your own stuff and you got a whole little nucleus of people. Now it's just producers. Okay, get me a singer, hire some session guys, patch me in some keyboards and... No offense, Andy, but <laughs> but uh, you know it's it's a little more homogenized now than it used to be. I mean, you hear the same drum sounds a lot. I mean, it's really tough to to create something that doesn't isn't isn't musicy. Yeah, I mean, reading about some of these albums that they recorded live and got them done in two weeks, and right. the way they would do the sounds, like put the drums up on the second floor, put them in the dining room, because Tom Waits recorded his mule variations in a barn. And I think you could, like, hear sometimes you could hear chickens in the background or something. <laughs> John Mellencamp did the same thing, I guess, with some album. What the clock? Yeah. But <laughs> it's Mulevery. He just signed all recorded in a barn. Yeah. I, I was reading about Bowie doing the vocals on Heroes, and you never realize about these things when they didn't have all the digital processing. Right. He started off whispering to the mic, and he kept stepping further and further back from the mic until he was 20 feet away from it and screaming. Right. And And, you know, it's just very different these days because we're so... Right. In the studio. Well, that's like old radio tricks, yeah. like old radio dramas. Like if you're if you were like supposed to be far away, you just talk from over there, you know. Right. And it was, 
And uh, yeah, I, I like stuff like that. I think that stuff is. Well, I just cool. found that's out. I was actually exchanging text with one of our regulars here, Steve Litvak, and we were talking about some movies. And he said he he came up with a trivia quote thing I didn't know. Did you know, Robert Blake, after Little Rascals, played Little Beaver in the Red Rider films? Did, did not, not know, know that. that. And <laughs> we were saying, he, and Steve said, like I did, no wonder he's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, there's the curse of Little Rascals, but then you have people coming up to you, hey, it's Little Beaver. <laughs> little Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> she is not. <laughs> that's like hey, that. That's yeah. like that old, uh, the old '60s Batman, like the movie. Like there's a scene where, like, uh, I think I told you this already, but there's a scene where there's a newspaper thing, and they kidnap the that the Catwoman who's playing that Russian reporter, right? They kidnap. Miss Kitka. And it's Ms. yeah, <laughs> and and the thing underneath the main headline says. Uh, Newspaper woman grabbed in brazen snatch, and that's what they have on. The <laughs> was you ever watch like I was, the old? I was, I was watching a commentary thing, and Adam Musk could barely get through that. He <laughs> I can't believe we got away <laughs> with ever, that one. Do you ever, <laughs> do you ever watch like the old cartoons, like all the real old cartoons, and they would have things in there? You know, some very uh, offensive nowadays, yeah. obviously, but it is you know it's the, the time you have to take it like that, you know. And but do you ever notice like you watch a lot of them, like when you're a kid? the stuff that would go right over your head that your yeah. parents are going to see that yeah. are all like innuendos like all of like the flirty stuff like with Bugs Bunny and oh yeah everything else but I think that like the Batman show there was so many they like innuendos but like I remember from the movie my thing was Robin get the bad shark repellent and yeah. they had like all these like kill away repellents yeah. <laughs> and then then the other one the bomb explodes gee Batman the noble porpoise yeah right <laughs> <laughs> But can you imagine how much Not fun? Not dolphin it, safe. Yeah. Could you imagine how much fun it is just to write that stuff though? Because you could just well, toss it all the kitchen sink of this you know, insanity. That, that was written by the the best writer they had was that uh, what was his name there? Um, well, I know William Dozer was a producer. Yeah. But I can't think of the writer. No, the, uh, Semple. Leo, yeah, Semple. Uh, uh, Semple Junior. Uh, what the hell was his first name? Anyway, um, he wrote the best scripts. I mean, he had. To me, hands down, the best. Because, like, there was a couple lines that stand out. Like, he said, uh, <clears throat> there was a scene where they were in the commissioner's office and Bruce Wayne and Dick are there, and he says something, oh, well, we're late for the concert. We have to go. Sorry. And then, <clears throat> the, what's his name? O'Hara is making fun of him. Oh, well, we got to go to the concert. Man, 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 man. And uh, Gordon says, oh, Bruce is a good man, but not even all his money could buy us another Batman. And it's, like, perfect because the only reason he can be Batman is because he's rich. <laughs> <laughs> or like the one line where if you yeah. read uh, Burt Ward's book, which is, oh, okay, <laughs> uh, the one line where Batman, we seem we get out of these traps every time. Oh, is right. it because we're smarter than them? I'd like to think because we're pure of heart. Yeah. Our hearts are pure. That's real life. Or, or, or the other one, life. the classic <laughs> in the movie when they're climbing the building. Yeah. Gee, Batman, there's all these weirdos in these strange costumes <laughs> running around here. How come nobody said anything? So low, <laughs> filled with rum pots. And yeah, they right. Decide, they can't trust what they say. Gee, Batman, alcohol is a terrible thing. <laughs> I used to put that when I worked at bars. I would put that up. <laughs> I go, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, well, it was a different time, too, and the social commentary. It's like even when I remember when I was a kid going to the drive-ins. I mean, you're watching all these, like, adult movies, like, you know, Cary Grant. I mean, but they were about adults, you know, Rock Hudson and Doris Day and all that. I mean, they were sex comedies. 
I mean, but you don't know that when you're 10. You would have, like, you the, know, you're, <laughs> a towel yeah. or something. But I've told this story. I told this story on Facebook because my dad was a big pipe man. And I remember he used to smoke the one that was like an apple type, but he smoked Captain Black a lot. I'll never yeah. forget because the sense memory is gagging me. Yeah. But he smoked like till he was 60. He started developing a cough, so we quit, you know, and went away. Right. But we lived by a like corner store. I would be like, you know, like 10 or so. He would send me over to buy it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I would have no my problem. The only problem was, was like I was buying, like started buying beer there then. Like when I got a little old, and I always tell him it was like for my mom for like, she's making beer better fish fry. <laughs> and they asked her one time, how was the fish fry? And we won't talk about the rest how that ended up. <laughs> and I was like, okay, at least they had this Slitz malt liquor blue. I like that better than red. But it's like, how could you? I like that. It's like, uh, well, for Friday for Lent. <laughs> they sold it to me. They sold it to me. But it was such a. Could you imagine now? No, oh, yeah, you can't. You, you know, now, I, then we hear later on, like, places got busted because the, the cops would send in, like, an underage person to buy cigarettes and they nail them. Oh, we got that every yeah. month, right? You know, in a way, they knew me, but still, could you imagine? You know that, like these days, it's like, are you kidding? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, at the store I work at, they come every month. And usually it's pretty obvious. It's somebody that doesn't even, you can tell they don't live around the store. And they just kind of look at you with a blank look on your, their face. And, you know, like one guy actually kind of helped me out. He goes, uh, don't you want to see my ID? And uh, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, you got an ID. <laughs> because I would have failed. And if you fail, it's bad news. You, they don't let you fail more. than you, If you fail twice, you're screwed. You're done. Well, in 2021, so make this sort of an official review, yeah. that would happen. Yeah. But we used to have two. We would have them do that in the bars where they would come down. I remember, like, there'd always be some idiot at one bar who would serve somebody underage. Right. You usually get the phone call to watch out, and, like, we were really careful. But, you know, if you had this unscrupulous door guy somewhere who wants to let someone in who's underage or something. Well, then you got the evil dram shop law that really screwed everything. Yeah. Well, I don't work which, in these things anymore. Which blames the bar. Which blames the bar for something if something happens, an accident or something. Oldest well, bar in Syracuse got shut down for that years ago because somebody was driving the wrong way down 81. Oh, wow. That place remained open through the prohibition, so it was the longest continuously oh, shit. owned. And the guy lost his license <laughs> because the guy came terrible. in. They refused to serve him, but it was the last place that that he was. They right. tried to take his keys away from him and everything, and they still lost their uh, license. That ain't but, right. Yeah, it wasn't right at all. It's but. a strange... You ever read about some of the insane laws that are on the books in various states. Yeah. Like, what's illegal? I think, like, they had the one, like, about talking on an elevator. <laughs> but, I mean, that's okay. But no, yeah, I'm, I'm, good. I'm okay with that one. I can get behind that law. <laughs> I, I go into a corner. I hate elevators to begin with, but... You know, but the, some of these weird laws you find are, I think, like, hanging still, like, call it capital punishment in New Hampshire <laughs> or something... Or like walking on the grass in some states, like the death penalty or something. Or I could get behind that one too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had the mean old guy when I used to walk my dog, and he comes out, and he's like going, you know, you track down the grass where you walk by with your dog, and that's really interesting. Because we stay on the sidewalk. It could be the mailman, but every time he would come out and give me the look when I went by, I just like wave. <laughs> and I go, that's gonna be me. I'm gonna be like the guy from Up. Cratchy old man. Yeah. So how was everybody's Christmas? Everybody have a good Christmas? We had three Christmases. You did? Yeah. So I had a Christmas in Syracuse with uh, the week before Christmas uh -huh. with uh, my side of the family. My sister came in from Wisconsin. It was good to see everybody because after the last couple of years, we were able to get together. Everybody's all boosted and everything, so it was cool. 
And uh, then we did Christmas, and it was just uh, the two of us at home with a duck. Right. <laughs> we, we ate the duck. It wasn't wandering around. Oh. And then, and then uh, last Saturday, we had my family from Syracuse to our place to see our uh, to see our tree. And, and it was the Orthodox wow, Christmas yeah. just recently. It's I think the seventh this year. I had that one year with the two Christmases because I was in the I was in the then falling Soviet Union, and they had all the uh, all the kids went out on the Baltic ice skating. So I had two Christmases that year. Some people are still getting postcards from there decades later. <laughs> what about you, Rob? It was, you know, I told myself I was mentally fatigued after last year <laughs> with my death and everything else. And I was going to take it quiet. So, of course, everybody wanted to see me. <coughs> of course. So I just said, look, I'll stick to limited stuff one-on-one and keep it quiet just because of the uh, the yeah, Ultron cool. virus or whatever floating around. Yeah. And I think we had, like, Alyssa was in town. You know, Adriana and Julie had, like, one show or whatever. But otherwise, I sort of just kept sort of a low profile because of all the insanity and stuff out there. (laughs) Right. We had a couple things. I had to do uh, Christmas Eve. It was just, you know, personal one, me and my girlfriend and her son. And then uh, Christmas Day, I had to work, unfortunately, at night. But we ended up going to Frank DeBlaze's house, him and his lovely wife, Deb. And... um, we did that dinner there and uh, had a nice time there for a couple hours. There was the one insane one. It was at the Blue Room. and my, This is my bar days. My friend Colette worked. There was Christmas Eve. I came out. This was like a Damon Runyon thing because I swear the snow's like gently falling. Every weirdo you can imagine came in. And literally walking out, there was a guy passed out on the bottom of the steps. <laughs> but it was like all these different characters, and it would have been like a Damon Runyon story taking place. It's like Christmas Eve. <laughs> Perchance you should enlighten us on this story. There wasn't order. much about it, except <laughs> it's, it was Christmas. so long ago, but it was like a Skid Row Christmas. That's what it was. And they would come in, <laughs> and it was kind of bummed. Now there's a song. Yeah, there's a song. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm already writing the first three lines in my head right now. But like I said, I'm walking out the guy <laughs> at the Blue Room. You have to understand, there were these steps that used to go up, and some guy was I passed out at the bottom of them. It's like, okay, is my Chinese takeout coming? <laughs> but it was just strange. It's not really anything I particularly can remember. It was just like the characters. It was just sort of funny. Yeah. But one thing that came back last year, got back, you know what I'm going to talk about, with the Beatles again. Right. And I think the appeal still holds... And you were talking about love a little bit. You said you liked that album? I like the way... I, I like the too. concept, because I liked how they took, like, patterns and common chords and made different songs out of them and it's like it's amazing how those things fit together uh, you know when you you just hear separate songs all the time and then you don't realize how much they have in common so I just thought it was a clever cool thing and I didn't see how I always get back it was very good uh, I liked I liked the way he started it because he kind of gave me the background of the 60s stuff and then they kind of they spent about 20 minutes on that and then they kind of go into the beginnings of the talking i mean there's a lot of wasted time when you really look at what i mean because you're looking at everything they did they're sitting around talking well here's what you think we should do this well that place might not work and then all right well i'll see you tomorrow so they come back the next day and they it's like a soap opera like we used to joke about soap operas like the edge of night and all those old ones it's like if you missed it, oh, you know, next day you just realize the guy moved from one side of the room to the other. That's all he did <laughs> in a half an hour. Nothing happened. So they spent a lot of time. But it's cool because Paul McCartney seemed like he was the most organized. 
because he seemed to have all his songs kind of fleshed out. So he brought Get Back, you know, they start messing around with it. And then Lennon and him, they, they screw around a lot. Well, you don't mean Paul, voices. though. You mean the guy they replaced him with after he croaked. Oh, after he was killed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the double. Yeah. So anyway, it was it's very interesting. And then obviously it ends up with the rooftop thing. But it's um, the rooftop thing's cool, too, because they show a lot more man in the street stuff. We're going to do one of those when it gets warmer out. We'll do one the, of the rooftop? rooftop. Yeah. <laughs> Here? Yeah. Isn't it a slant roof? Well, I could, I got extra co-hosts, so I wish we could play out on that little the porch thing. You never know. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, but one of the things too, I guess I read a lot about it. I guess Michael Lindsay Hogg, the director, they came out after they broke up, so he wanted to do the narrative of the band falling apart. Right. So you get the really dark, dingy, let it be. Right. And I think their relationship was more complicated. Obviously, they broke up. But I think they were like a gang, and they were very close. Oh, yeah. So it there's was, a it was lot of, good. So when, but when it was bad, it was really bad. There's a lot of goofing around in this thing. I mean, there are scenes where they're playing, and Linda Eastman's sitting there talking to Yoko, and they're just talking. It's not like this huge hatred thing. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I just think they, Hogg probably picked <clears throat> a couple of bad days and just focus the crap out of it. Now, if it would have been like the Stones, they could have just had like eight hours waiting for Keith Richards. Right. <laughs> because they always called it Keith Richards time, where I guess they would lie to him about when, Is which he, I should do with some guests for this show. You should lie. Like, they say, okay, yeah. we're going to start, start like, eight. and he would show up at, <laughs> yeah, he would show up like eight hours yeah. later. Oh, wait, one eye's open. Okay, we're so almost they would, there. <laughs> so they would just act like they were all mad that he showed up. <laughs> yeah. But I was reading, like I said, I was reading about Led Zeppelin. The thing I was more I was interested in music in the 60s, but by like 1975 or so, Bonham and Page were so whacked that it almost became where it was really, it was almost like Plant and Jones had to carry a lot of the music yeah. because they were the more, you know, straight guys in terms of like substance abuse and everything. Right. That's why those two were just right, right. falling to pieces. Yeah, you don't realize all that stuff. You think, oh yeah, you drank. But you know, you got to realize the ramifications of you know, you're touring and you're, you're beat up. Well, I didn't know Bonham. I mean, you hear know. about Moon, but I guess Bonham fell off like passed out behind the drums a lot of times. I guess one time it's famous where he passed out and like, you know, the famous Who story where Moon passed out and they auditioned drummers. Yeah. I guess Paige got Richard Cole, their one guy. He played drums. He said, get in there, play, get in there, play. <laughs> wow. And they had, they thought like early on, like even as early as 1969 about replacing Bonham, they were telling him, look, knock, because he was passing out. Right. So they look like, knock it off because, you know, we have to do a show. Which is weird because he was such a family guy. Because I remember I was watching this, this documentary thing and they were saying how he was getting to the point where he didn't, you know, what they say was like he was, they out, said you know? teddy bear and monster, where they said he was like a farmer, right? but at home when he was sober, he was fine. But when he went on the road and everything, he just missed them so that he would just abuse, you know, go down. Like the night he dried, died, he drank almost like 50 vodkas. Yeah. Well, the thing is now, you'd probably get some substance help or you'd get a counselor. they say, well, man, this guy's getting depressed. There'd be some signs. Back then, nobody cared. No, and he would like, whine, oh, like, I whine, what am I doing here? Then obviously Robert Plant had all his tragedies in right. the 70s. They're going on there, but, you know, and it seemed like a lot of people will be like, okay, you know, we always want these bands to reunite. If you read the book, it's like, okay, they by the time they were done, they were done. Yeah. And, I'm like, I've been talking to my friend Caitlin a lot about the Beatles because she's a big fan. And, like, you always do the, okay, what if they said, okay, guys, we've been under pressure. Let's take some time Let's off to solo stuff. Yeah. 
A lot of people have talked about what if they had done that. But then yeah. you think, okay, think of like some other bands that have been around forever. You can't think of anything good. Like the last Stones album, I would say, and you could disagree. The last Stones album, I think, was really, really good. And I'm not saying they've all been terrible since, but some have been okay. They've been, you know, whatever. Was the Some Girls. Yeah. That was like almost 45 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I listened to Babylon and I, I bought Bigger Bang and I mean, there's nothing really. Oh, I buy them. I mean, it sounds like the same stuff. They kind of rehash the mid tempo. They have the fast, and they have you know, they just kind of have a formula and they just kind of work it. I guess Tattoo You was basically all uh, outtakes and outtakes weird, and cobbled and stuff. things together. I was reading about that. There was like one guy's in France and he's calling his part in and next thing, you know that kind of stuff. It's like well, they did that just before the tour anyway, so yeah. they needed it. They needed a pre tour album, right? That's what everybody did back in those yeah. days. Yeah, because, but then they didn't tour, like, for now you get bands that just go on tour, and don't, because now it's the complete opposite, where before you could go crazy on tour, and you made all the money by albums. Now you make nothing by albums, you gotta go on tour. Right, right. yeah, it's completely changed. You make more on merch than you do on uh, music. Yeah, but it's just like that, but think about, like, a lot of these bands, and I saw The Who back in 2017, they, well, partly, Daltrey, and mm-hmm. They, but they had Zach Starkey on drums. Yeah, it yeah. was a great they, show. I it, they were really, really good. Simon Townsend on guitar. Yeah. yeah. yeah they, they were, were really, really yeah. good, except I freaking where I parked, I got a nail in my car, uh, no. my tire, and I go take it to my mechanics like it, when I got home at 1 in the morning. Was that the one at Candago? Yeah. yeah. yeah Roger, Dalty looks like, Roger Dalty looks like B. Arthur to me <laughs> <laughs> in his later days. And I always think, whenever they do Won't Get Fooled Again, you have to imagine when he does the whoa, that he got kicked in the balls. Yeah. It adds to the song. But, and I never realized, they don't do encores. They haven't done encores for years. They start with Can't Explain, they go all the way through, because I was like, wait a second, where's the encore? Oh, Bye. No encores. You know, and of course, yeah. Pete Townsend's got a yak. A yak. But it was, I guess what happened, my friend's son works at CMAC. I guess it was the second most attended show ever behind Dave Matthews. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But they were it really good. They brought it. Yeah. You know, they brought That's the thing. They could still do it as long as you could still do it. But yeah, I, sad, was, I was impressed. Zach Starkey's a great drummer. The sad part, though, is just... Uh, Hearing Pete Townsend like interviews with them, you don't even because he'll go on about, oh, people think I'm having fun. I'm a good actor. I'm doing this because people enjoy the music. Eh. Yeah, he's got a lot of sour grapes. <laughs> I've heard some of his stuff. His book, The Age of Anxiety, I stopped midway through because it was too depressing. <laughs> wow. You know, so it's like one of those things where, you know, it's just too bad. But you know, you have your personalities. You do what you want like that. Yeah. I think with the Beatles, too, though, going back, I, <coughs> they were pushed so hard. I mean, you think about their template. Started out, like you said, as a gang, young kids, we got a, you know, they got an idea, they get, they get, you know, somebody starts to get interested in them, pushes them, gets them here, gets them there, next up, next up, next up. You know, I mean, they're like almost like the typical rock band story. Well, they were mad you know? about, like, John Lennon. They were like, they got the suburban stones from London, all the posh kids and suburbanite kids. And still, but I will digress, Keith Richards' book, Best Line, early on, he's talking about when he's a teen, he said, well, some of the people are hanging around. I don't want to hang around them because they did drugs. <laughs> and then he goes, <laughs> then he goes, okay, I know this sounds strange. <laughs> right. Well, you got to look at the, you know... That's the thing, too. You always got to look at, well, why does this happen? There's a, some kind of a thing that's going on that makes people go that way. 
you know, if you can't handle it anymore, you just have to escape, or, or it might be you're depressed, or whatever it is, but you don't just like, hey, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do a lot of drugs. You know, it, it's like a slow progression. I'm glad show yeah. here. I know, like, Gothic Toad, that's why they stop, but I'm glad, like, with our fame, nobody's falling down. I worry about you. Me? Well, yeah. <laughs> well I, I, we've all had our descendant of pills and booze. Yeah. <laughs> I have my Red Bulls and stuff. You know, I still have my demons. <laughs> but, I mean, I know the fame. But can you imagine being in the pressure cooker when you're all, they, you know, and they, were, they want to be serious musicians. And that's why the quick tour is like, we can't hear each other play. Why bother? I know. It's amazing to me how they even pulled it off. And then I hear, like, George Harrison, some of his things he, was, <laughs> he says. He's like, he's like, yeah, he shows now. You know, a couple hours, hour and a half, two. You know, we played twenty minutes, and I'm like, I'm like laughing. It's like they played maybe a half an hour. You know? Yeah, they did. They go out, play like twenty five minutes, get off the stage. They like lip sync or not even bother. Yeah, pretty funny it's, stuff. The the dynamics of them as a band though is with the thing. I've, I haven't seen the the show, but I've been reading a lot about it. And the one observation that people keep bringing up over and over again is is the relationship between <coughs> the musicians, and you can really see. McCartney and Lennon being creative. Oh yeah, and Harrison just saying, "Just tell me how you want me to do it." Right, like he's like the studio musician backing those guys up. It's really interesting. Yeah, and and you know something from that that surprised me was how many Abbey Road songs were being started at that period. They're they're, they're working on Maxwell Silver Hammer. They're working on Octopus's Garden. There's a part where where Ringo shows him he's on the piano, and then George comes and helps him. He's all right. Maybe now you can go here. You know, and remember, it, for all the, cool. the dial, you know, the narrative and let it be, remember, after they did that, they went and they did Abbey Road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so you had to get along fairly well to do I wish there was, like, a story about that, about how they came together to do No well, Pun Intended by the song. what I heard was George Martin said, okay, lads, <laughs> you know, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it the way we used to do it. And I'm running the show, and we're going to record a certain way, and, you know, that's kind of how they... One of the funniest stories from there is Paul wanted to call the album Everest, and he wanted to fly them up to the Himalayas to take a picture. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you get a little too arty for your own good. I, you <laughs> but know, I do I, think that picture, <laughs> I, I do think that picture is about a funeral procession, though. They won't say so, but if you look at how they're dressed and everything. Because yeah. yeah. I wonder, like, with the Paul is Dead thing, that they found out they had that sense of humor if they played off it sometimes right. just to goof with people. They were very funny. I mean, when you, again, you watch this this thing. I mean, Lennon and McCartney, are, they're singing in funny voices, and they're just they're just in the middle of a song going into a 50s rock, you know, rock and roll thing. And it's just like their whole way of doing things was just, okay, they, they got to go off in a, to the left a little bit, and then they swirl around, they come back to the center. <laughs> Very interesting. It is. Well, listen to some of their Christmas messages, like 1968. It's so psychedelic and weird. The Christmas Mike Murray played it. Oh, I have some of those from the Beatles BBC. The thing that I appreciate, I actually read a Ringo bio, and people always make fun of him, but he was like considered the best drummer in Liverpool. And Buddy Rich will roll over in his grave, and I don't take these lists for anything, but they have him right ahead of Buddy Rich as the greatest drummer of all time, which Buddy Rich would love. Right. Well, there's two different schools of thought on that. Chops wise, no, but technique wise and 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 concept wise, you can't beat them, because 
And him and Charlie Watts, because like you know, I've played some of these songs. You try to copy those things that those guys do, and it's you gotta learn them. You gotta figure it out, and you know they have weird ways of interpreting fills and 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 different things. Charlie's more of a jazz drummer than a rock yeah. drummer when you really listen to him. Yeah, oh, I've, I've got Watts at Scotts where he does his jazz shows. You notice that we're talking all about old music because what's new under the sun? Like last year, did anybody get into anything new? Well, I got into something new for me. Because of you, Greg. So, so I discovered was that? I, uh, it was it was um, anonymous willpower. Oh well, thanks. So yeah. new to me. They've been around for years. Yeah. I was shocked to hear that they've been around for years. Somehow <laughs> I missed them. Yeah, I know. Me too. Uh, we're working on we're working on getting back going here. It, that's another story. That's uh, Don anonymous there. Don Blair. He got some sort of he got a COVID thing. Then he had to go to the ER, and then he came home, and then he had to, he got a fever. And then he had to go back. Now he's home again. So you know that that screwed us. I literally from just talked to Susie so. yesterday to see like he, I guess he waved and said hi. Yeah, wave. yeah. So we've been out of commission for a few weeks, but you know we'll get back to it. No, it's been. I've seen every. I this had to be like around twenty. I mean, I met Susie when she played with the old Cram Review, right? And they were playing with the Bad Nuss, and I was actually going to see the Bad Nuss because I knew all of them, and I met her. Was I at that show? I must have been. You I might. It was at the hotel, uh, the Hyatt or whatever, the one down with the garage and everything. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Yeah. And I remember going yeah. to the, these were the days pre-COVID when I was young and alcoholic, and I remember going to a show at the Bugs or afterwards, I can't remember what the show was or whatever. I remember that gig, yeah, because... But that, but I remember seeing, and I remember like all the incarnations through the years and everything. Of well, yeah, I mean, Susie, let, she told me I she I've been playing with her for she said eighteen years or something, because I was in the Vel, I was in Earl Cram, I was in Velveteen Fox, Fox, and then this iteration. She was in so, the Cheetah Horse for a while. Yeah, that was an interesting. Band. Oh, they were uh, <laughs> that was like entertaining to say the least. Yeah. Especially if they went out last, like at the Vulture. Like a Joey, man. Like a crazy drummer, man. She was like, she was cool. I liked her. Just oh, yeah, fucking, she's funny. Fucking pound, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those drums never did anything to you. Like, I think of like some of the, like, the isotopes, I think, have been around now since 2000. And there's some bands that come in, some new ones, some old ones. But that's yep. more now. I just focus more on the local music scene for 2021. And I've got, like, I got Jessica Pratt's new album, which I really like. She's this country singer, really good voice. But I just go for what friends recommend a lot of times. I got H.C. McIntyre's because a friend recommended it. But otherwise, like, new stuff. Well, Billie Eilish, obviously. Surely you just. Actually, you know what? never call me Shirley. You know. And I never just. I really should, be, to be fair, I've actually never heard anything by her. So I really should probably, if I listen to it, I might actually like it. But there's just something about it's like the concept, like I was saying earlier before we went on, It's like just the fact that she didn't pay any dues, and it's like the, the whole just recording in your bedroom and getting stuff out. I don't know. It's just I don't understand that kind of way of getting there. I just I guess because I'm. But old. she's given us a good running <laughs> joke, I and mean, we started doing like this podcast in alleyways like five or six years ago. Uh, feel like we just got hey come in listen yeah, listen. Right? <laughs> we made the scenes, went to all the dives and everything else. Yeah. You know, yeah. we build ourselves up. So I get like, you have to work. But I think a lot of bands, too, that was the way. A lot of bands, when they got signed, they had like five or six years on the club circuit. So they were polished. Now right. you pull these bands in. Right. From their bedrooms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's cool. I mean, that's a great way of, if you're if you're sheltered and you're a little bit, you got a little bit of anxiety about getting out there. I mean, and you but you're talented. That's a great way to do it. It's like, you know. 
especially now because everybody's computer oriented, you know. So from the minute they're freaking kids, so. But yeah, we, we had Alyssa on, and she was talking about self-producing, right? Which, yeah. You know, during during the epidemic, that's all you could do. Yeah. Right. But, they had a good article in Rolling Stone about that, like last year. It was a whole thing about they did a whole thing about people that recording. I mean, I just somebody like say Beethoven or Mozart, what they could have done with like a twenty-four track studio oh, and yeah. all this. Could you imagine having to write everything down? <laughs> but I guess Mozart was like a it's crazy genius. They're all a lot of them were very. Eccentric to say the least, but they were, they were inbred, buddy. <laughs> but he could remember, like in his head, notes. He could just remember a whole thing in his head. Yeah, he was a he was a, an anomaly for sure. I mean, he was out there. He was a savant, probably. Yeah, but I mean, that's like in terms of like the local scene and everything. We've had a space back because of good old COVID. Yeah. And everything else is not like the old days. I hate I'm starting to say that phrase more. The old days of. <laughs> Going, where are we going tonight? Okay, we'll go here, we'll go here, we'll go... No, now it's like, okay, do I really want to go here? <laughs> well, that's why I look at these old concerts when I play anything, you know, throw something in, like... And there's, like, freaking all these people just jammed in a, in a place, you know? And I'm just like, oh, my God. You know, you start thinking about that. Like, we used to do that? <laughs> you know? It's like, I still... I'll remember at the bug chair one time, I'll never forget, somebody coughed right on me. Uh, <laughs> and this was big. Now I'd be... Just, ah! just coughed. Just cough. <laughs> oh, I know. I didn't even. Somebody no, nobody sneezes, and I get I weird. Beer, I've had beer spilled on I've me, but I've never had like the been barfed on. I've seen people barf, but not on me, <laughs> thankful. Or anything else? But it's just strange, though, how to you know do this nowadays? Because before, it's like now I'm very limited. I'll go, okay. Do I really want to do this? How is it going to be? Is it? I hope. Then you hope sad for your friends. You go. I hope nobody's there. My, yeah, my fear is that it's kind of changed the landscape for a long time. I think it's going to take a, a while for people to get back and get dipped their toe back in the water and all that. I, I just feel kind of bad about that. But I think a lot of people still want to go out. I mean, like I was at the landing last night, and there was a good bunch of people in there. The mask thing didn't seem to be very serious, <laughs> so. You know, I think people are getting past it, and I think they just know if you know who you're with and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's good things that have come out of it. I mean, you know, the the DoorDash stuff, and there's there's always something. You know, something good comes out of the chaos. So I think we have yeah. to add lib. You adapt. I think that's how people are. They adapt. They just go on. Right. You know, it becomes something because you think of like when we grew up. Could you imagine? Like I was hoping we had a Jetsons future. Right, I know. You're still waiting for flying cars. Yeah, all the, yeah. but you thought like in the future we'd have all this stuff. But you, could you imagine even like 40 years ago? Well, I wasn't born yet, but uh, you two. Like 40 <laughs> years ago, could you predict all this stuff? It's no, like science no. fiction. It's like all science no. fiction. Well, yeah, it's it's you you watch all these movies about all these plots and all these conspiracies, and then you just kind of see this, and you go, well, somebody actually pulled something off here because this. Things like this just don't happen. I don't want to get down a tinfoil hat thing here, but you know, I just you don't just a virus just doesn't show up. <laughs> it gets introduced somehow. So you know, I, I would wish they would spend more time trying to track down the origin of this thing than screwing around with yelling at us about masks and stuff. Somebody, that's my political. Yeah, they're thing. calling me from yeah. uh, CIA because you just mentioned. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I take it all back. <clears throat> He was just kidding. FBI stands stands for fib. It's just no. You know what I do all the time? I go, wait. I go, wait, because history will sort it out. Because, like, what we believe now, give it, like, in hindsight. 
it's like you look back, we'll know a lot more. Because like when you're in the mist living in the era. You're too close to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll look back on this, and I'm sure we'll glean something from it. It's just... I think about silver linings, right? Yeah. What are all the silver linings? One of the silver linings is, you know, wearing a mask. If I forgot to floss after lunch... Right. I don't have to worry about it anymore. That's it. Well, that's <laughs> like, right. As one of our friends said on yeah, Facebook, you don't have to shave. Right. You know, like there are some good COVID things. You <laughs> lost sense of smell. You couldn't smell your farts. Yeah, right. Well, actually, a friend of mine, uh, a friend of ours, yeah. said that's how he realized he was over it. He could smell his <laughs> <laughs> Which, Excellent. That was another. You know, that was one of the silver linings of COVID. Was that joke? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, but I have to tell my famous uh, Beatles story too because we were talking about them. This happened to a friend of mine. One of his friends met John Lennon in New York. He's like, he had him sign a Beatles album, and he didn't look at it. So he goes back. He signed it Paul McCartney. Uh, <laughs> nice. I bet if you got John on the right day, so that's what it always seemed like. If you got him on the right day, you know, it depends how he, what mood he was and everything else. It's that, it's that, what's that joke he said? He said something about, they asked him about Ringo. Do you think Ringo's the, one of the best drummers around or in the world? And he goes, he's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. <laughs> it's like, he just has this weird sense of humor. I, I think it's great. Oh, I like that. I mean, the English are funny. You yeah. know that. Yeah. They, they have that really weird, like, sense of humor that you get or you don't get. Right. Yeah, we used to say Tom Baker just turned 88, which is awesome. Wow. Who? No. <laughs> There's actually a really good, if you can find it, I saw it on VHS, I rented it from the library. He goes through every one of his episodes from Doctor Who. Oh, really? nice. And like some, he goes, yeah, I don't remember much about that one. But then he like tells little stories. But what was interesting what he did at the end, though, because he said like, really, my career after Doctor Who, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Yeah. He was really good. I, I still have a fondness for that version. Like Sherlock Holmes, like the those are favorites, you know. I mean, sure, they, they've done so much with Doctor Who now. I mean, there's going to be a new one coming up uh, yeah. at the end of the year, whomever it is. I always like it's like my election of the Pope. I always look forward to it <laughs> here. I think it's going to be, you know, they always, I always like to see what direction. It's like you get a device where you can do any kind of story you want. Yeah, right. Right, but Tom Baker, much. I think he really made him an alien. He just brought his own eccentric self to it. Right. And I, the only reason he got the part was, I guess he he sent a letter saying he needed work. Uh. And one of the people remembered him from some, from being Rasputin or being in something and said, hey, I remember this guy here. Let's go bring him in. Yeah, well, sometimes those are, yeah, fortuitous, you know, happenstance. You know, stuff happens like that. I so thought, I thought the bravest casting for Doctor Who was Peter Capaldi. Yeah, he was good. Well, it was, I think you had to do the opposite. It's almost like Peter Davison after Tom Baker. You right. had, where Peter Davison was perfect because you had this, you know, this guy in charge, a little older, actually youngest doctor since the other three. He huh. was younger, but he was, but he was a very big authority figure. You know, you felt safe. But we had another one who was younger, seemed like you know less sure, sure of himself. Yeah, you know, it took a lot from Patrick Trout. So that was like if you had another guy who was just a copy of him, it wouldn't have been good. Right. Yeah, you got to sort of move on with the character so you can create different stories. And Peter I Capaldi, I guess, Capaldi, I guess is how you pronounce this. Yeah. I don't care. But he uh, he was like the complete opposite of Matt Smith in every yeah. way. Yeah. I, I was, well, he was dark and from the north. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm Scottish. It's good. it's good I can complain about things. <laughs> I was trolling through YouTube the other day looking at stuff, and I found this thing on the Avengers, the old show. And I didn't realize that it started out with as two guys. It was yeah, Patrick it was a radio McGee, show. 
It was Patrick McNee and some other guy, and they had the trench coats, and it was very serious. Yeah, that's where the Beatles song came from, some other guy. <laughs> I've seen those. They did. I think they started as a radio show. Oh, yeah? And then it went after the... the then I think he had two different guys. 1961, they Two said. different guys as partners, and it was Honor Blackman. Yeah. And then she left to do a Bond movie, then... You know, Emma Peel there, our dear Diana Rigg, she left, left to do a Bond yes. movie. Yes. And Patrick McNee said he just wishes he could have had her come back for another season. But I was re-watching those during COVID. The last season got really getting weirder the and weirder. The Tara King ones? Yeah. yeah. That weird guy's making that, that weird actor who's making all the funny faces on the organ and everything. Yeah. It was starting to get... No, the with uh, Diana Rigg. But then when, the tower, when they had Mother there and yeah. stuff, I think... You know, you get to a point where sometimes it's good to end it. Right. Which we've never learned a lesson to on this show. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, but it was, I, I never knew a lot of these things, and I guess you don't realize. It seems weird, though, like they, to do one movie, you got to leave a show, but I guess it was just time constraints, you know. I don't think that worked out for either one of them. They well, Honor Blackman. Mentality, got, too, because think about like how many people now, like for Doctor Who, you're in this series that's, you're literally like in England, you're known everywhere in Europe. But they, their own choice, except for Colin Baker, it was their own choice to leave. Right. And Sylvester McCoy, who was technically the doctor, but he decided, okay, it's been too long, I don't want to keep doing it. And Paul McGann, I think, would have been great if they gave him the chance. Just watch the Night of the Doctor sometime. It's six minutes, but he basically, you look at him and go, oh, why couldn't he have been the doctor? <laughs> He's done a lot of audio ones. But, wow. but all of them, like, they chose to leave. You know, think about being on, like, a famous show here. It's stuck for 20 years. You don't leave. Right, right. Yeah. Supergirl, six seasons. Out! <laughs> last season was good, though. I'll give it that. Yeah. I didn't like the fifth season. The last season was good, though. That show was started to get pretty complicated. I mean, that and The Flash, all the techie talk, it's like you're sitting there going, what, what? <laughs> you the know? Legends of Tomorrow is just out in space this yeah. season. I don't know. Well, Bebo had his Christmas special, at least. <laughs> You know, when he was mistaken as a Viking god of war, but you have no yeah, idea. What yeah, they, I have no, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, Legends, I've, I've only watched the first couple seasons of Legends, so I'm not... And plus, now, Sarah's dead, just like Ava's dead, oh, but, okay. she's a, but she's like a computer hologram something. Wow. I didn't do anything before the show. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go back and watch the newer stuff. But I mean, I, I well, I've been trying to keep watch up on the CW stuff. Is actually pretty good. I. I started to watch Swamp Thing. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, I watch. Actually, I like Nancy Drew. That's actually it's like sort of wants to be Buffy. Yeah, it's fairly decent. But we're really talking about 2021 here, so it's because usual. So, yeah. It's welcome to the Carnival holiday specials and everything <laughs> yeah. else. But I'm glad too. I mean, you know, you're aboard. You've been aboard. And I'm glad you like doing this, and you're aboard. Yeah, we love having you. It's a That's lot great. of fun. You know, we'll bring you in like when we have like, uh, you know, the guy who. Eats a lot of hot dogs or something, so you can comment or one of those things. <laughs> you know, I think about how, like, being a YouTube sensation, like, before, like, what did you have to do? Basically, nothing. Get hit in the balls by a skateboard or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> or the dog that got saved by the sausages. That's that's news. Did you see that? That's, I did not see that. There was. I forgot where it was. They put a they put a sausage on a drone. To get to lure this lost dog, it was out in the field. It was on an island, or he was gonna get in the water if they didn't get him off to wherever he was. And they put a sausage on a drone and 
flew it around and made them walk in the direction they it's wanted basically to walk. It's a, it's a <laughs> here boy trick with a, yeah, with a drone. Yeah, but I mean, it's just funny to watch. You know, try that one, my Sausage dog. saves dog. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I still look, but I wonder, so like, you know, one of the debates I might have on the show sometimes, especially when my friend Kim's on, is social media, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I go, like, when I'll go log into my computer, I see, okay, one side it's like, oh, check out these new pics of so-and-so in a bikini. The other is like some sensationalist nonsense. And I think, wow, people are uninformed. I can't imagine why. They're distracted. That's what it is. It's so distracting. And I think, you know, it's almost like the National Enquirer come to life. No, it's just... Well, if I still it, have something. It's the natural, it's National Enquirer, and it just doesn't... It doesn't end. Yeah. It's an endless stream of the National Enquirer. And I think these days, people, like, it's amazing if you go back, you know, and I worked in D.C., and it was no way like this madness when we were there, when I was there. But to think even, like, a virus will divide us, like the idea of getting vaccinated or not. I don't remember when I was a kid, like, for polio or any of this other stuff. I know that I hated needles, but I never heard people stopping going, don't get that smallpox. Well, yeah, right. People used to just line up for the sugar cube back in the polio days. And I remember, and, I still remember, I had like, it was like a, it was liquid and it tasted like butterscotch. I don't remember what that one was. I, that was polio. I, I remember. I, I remember uh, German measles, rubella, when the when the vaccine came out and, and we were all worried about catching it because right. you could be sterilized, right? Right, right. And like, why can't we have one of those now? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why, you know, we never, there were never like, you didn't have the camps of, of non-believers and it's like, you know, it, it, I said something the other day and somebody agreed with me, which is amazing, but I said, you know, really, this country has really not been actually together since World War II, as far as, you know, like World War II, it seemed like everything came together. The government, you know, maybe the only rationing, under, under the, our every, greatest the Hollywood, everybody was on the same page. Yeah. And now it's like everything split well, off. Maybe only directions. our greatest president in history, Nixon. I think that was when we were together because everybody reunited under Tricky Dick. <laughs> then the Illuminati framed him because he tried to save John Kennedy from getting assassinated. There you go. I didn't read that book either. I've actually read, no, there's a conspiracy, Jesse Ventura, that... He, Jesse Nixon, the body politic? That Nixon found out there was a plot, and he came to Texas to try to save Kennedy, and they stopped him at the airport. Could be. You never know. You never know. I wasn't there. Well, he was too busy faking the moon landing with Kubrick. I know. <laughs> but yeah, we were all like, it was like that thing, in some ways good, some ways bad, but it was always like, okay, we're Americans no matter what. We're all together. Right. Overall. Now it's like, we are what we are, or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm, put, sure, I'm sure we got sold a little bit of a bill of goods, because oh, no, yeah. no war is good. You know, I no, mean... Paul Fasell's written some great stuff about World War II, and it's not pleasant, but, you know... Right. But, you know, all the newsreels. I mean, think about the propaganda that really was out there. I mean, right. it's all propaganda. It doesn't have to be communist. It's just, it's, it was our propaganda. I mean, we had guys, we had big actors going in there doing training films and all that kind of stuff. So How know, many of them volunteered to go fight? How many of them got, like, medals in it, like Clark Gable or yeah. Jimmy Stewart especially? Yeah. But, you know, you're raising a good point, Greg, because it's like we've always been influenced by media, right, since, right. since media's been around. You know, whether it was yellow journalism in the 19th century or whether right, it was, right. you know, propaganda films during the Second World I think War. That the now, term, it's, now it's just social media, right? Right. I think the term yellow journalism started during the Spanish-American War. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. 
Could be, yeah. Jeez, how did I come up with this stuff? <laughs> Yeah, it is social media, and it's like we believe what we want to be, and we get into a bubble where you can find any dumb theory you want about anything online. Have you uh, heard about birds aren't real? Well, I I found the one where uh, the COVID's from Mars or somewhere. I found that online. I haven't. That's news to me. Birds aren't real has been around for a while. It was a guy that started a... Um, a conspiracy theory that birds haven't been real since about the 1990s <laughs> that they've been replaced. They're they're actually drones, government drones, to spy on you. And, and he started it off. Um, they were they were at an anti-Trump rally birds. in in, in uh, Washington, and they saw the counter protesters and everything. And and he just on a on a sign with a sharpie just wrote, "Birds aren't real." <laughs> and he started this improv, and he's got a following. And and now he had to come out, and he's been in character for like the last eight years. And he had to come out and and say that, hey, this th- I had to say that birds aren't real is is uh, just a, a satire, because people are starting to believe it. Life of Brian, <laughs> remember Life of Brian? Life of Brian. Totally. Yeah, totally, I have this shoe. <laughs> totally Life of Brian. That was so. That movie, like when I was a kid, I liked Holy Grail better. But then when you get older and you really appreciate it, that's, that's worth watching. And the that. only reason it was made was because George Harrison wanted to see it. That was all. Yeah. Can you imagine being like that? Like having, like, okay, I want this private concert here. Well, he, he funded a lot of the Monty Python, right? Yeah. He funded like they he saw the script they couldn't get it made because it was somewhat controversial. Yeah. And he just formed handmade films to get it made because why? Because he wanted to see it. Right. Well, that's, you know, what it takes. Wouldn't that be cool, though? I have some interesting newspaper headlines. Oh, go on. Oh, okay. Homicide victims rarely talk to police. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Miracle cure kills fifth patient. Bridges help people cross rivers. City unsure why the sewer smells. <laughs> you know, that's, you miss, a, that's, I miss, that's a head scratcher. 17 remain dead in morgue shooting spree. Anyway, <laughs> I think some of those are pretty funny. So, as always, we blew by like an hour already. That's right. <laughs> and it's amazing how we can do this for like, that's why you were in here for three months just for court. We have all yeah. these tapes held back. Time just flies. It's like Prince. I collected all, all, I all these things to talk about. I guess like Peter Gabriel has got like thousands of songs he just hasn't released. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I still love like Tony Levin, the one story he tells where he's like Peter Gabriel calls him up. It's like, oh, you, I have a small gig. Can you come to this play? And Tony's like, I'm sort of busy. It's just it's so small. I, it was when he was playing at the Olympics for 4 billion people of yours. Oh, wow. He's coming, uh, he's coming here, Tony Levin. He's, uh, he's, he's doing a meet and greet thing at the, at the, on Gibbs Street or something. He's one of like, the really? nicest guys. I've met him numerous times. He's like one of the nicest. I might go. It's only like 20 bucks. He went to, uh, he came up what here. I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. I, uh, what? He came up here, this was years ago, he played at a church in Penfield at a benefit. And I got to tell him my, the one Peter Gabriel story, I know, which was great, because I like to do... But he'll, no matter what, he drove up here himself, lives around Woodstock, I think, at the time. Yep. It was January, I was scared of getting home. He just drove up, played, did it. He'll meet you, he'll do ever. Like, I love the one last time I met him. I gave him, I showed him the book, the notes from a bass classic of his book, and he looks at me, he looks to me, and he goes, "Wow, I don't see these much. Man, these are <laughs> he signs it, and he goes, here now you can get more for it.' <laughs> but he's just such, a, I I can't see enough great things about him. And he's so I told him like you're like between the like, Jacob Pistorius, like, don't talk to me with, about Jacob Pistorius. He's so much better than I am. That's like a true artist, how they're yeah. humble. Yeah. 
but he's like one of the nicest guys I've ever met. I can't say I've, enough about him. I've enjoyed seeing them play out on the King Crimson tours. It's been it's been enjoyable. So the last what uh, what was it twenty seventeen when they did yeah. they did the Beacon in New York and. Uh, and then we just saw them the summers. That was one of the highlights of 2021. Oh, actually, when we call those little any words on 2021, because of course we haven't talked about it at all. It was better than 20. It was better than 20. Yes, it was. It was like a little bit coming out of the darkness, the light at the end of the tunnel. Things it seemed like a little less. I mean, somehow the, the show we had nice. to shut down. We had to <laughs> shut down. Nice. We started our zooms, which opens another for so many people who don't live around here. Yeah, and we have some really good ones coming up. But the other thing is, uh, and our friend Vicky Rummler, she'll be on from Paris. But we started that. We had to close the show down at the studio for a while, obviously because of the uh, the Mayor McCheese Ultron variant or whatever out but yeah. you know we've played it safer obviously and we've done that stuff but i've got to work with some very good young artists who i'm really happy and i love seeing the music scene like with adriana julia the archive ravens the scene is in really good hands yeah things are picking up i mean i think a lot of people are just saying all right enough's enough here we're gonna you know everybody's just gonna play it safe but we're still gonna try yeah, and watching with these talents where i look like the pet poodle in the room and this thing when they're working yeah. it's like, oh that was good <laughs> or like, I bet you can't name this band because you're young. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah, you've got your own. Really hey, useful. Hey, nineteen. And I like on. that everybody seems to really enjoy being on here, listening to it, and everything. Whoever who would have thought that? But like for me, also I croaked last year, and I think that you've heard the story. I had to tell it the one time that you really appreciate how many people how they reach out to you, but you like re, you know, you put things in perspective. You think of what support. You try to be positive. Right. Really move around I can't even think of the word because it's like uh, I still can't amaze that you don't smell as bad as you should for three months like being <laughs> in here make sure you recalibrate we'll, your values we'll have appreciate to do highlights. things we have to do security camera highlights <laughs> that's why like I'm a sap about telling people I appreciate and stuff oh, God, look where he's pissing <laughs> you know then, like, oh no not this chair <laughs> oh man oh, it's like that John Bond story where he pissed himself on the plane he made a roadie sit in it oh <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I mean, we always have been very good about the butt about drummer, drummer jokes. We have to have John Eric in so we can make yeah, fun of him. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, that was the that. best way to say it. It was better. So we, hopefully this year will be, I'm looking forward to this year in a lot of ways, you know, playing it slow a little bit, seeing how it goes. Any 2022 predictions? It'll be 2023 next year, I hope. <laughs> good news. Saturday, January 29th from 1 to 4 p.m. is the Tony Levin. Okay, great. Okay. Atrium, What's he doing? Atrium at Eastman Place. A meet and greet. I don't know. He's going to... Meet, do a meet and greet, I guess. I'm at the point with yeah. him. I'm not going to say we're friends because obviously we're not. But he knows me when he sees me. D does he run the other way? <laughs> <laughs> he should. They're going to be on the show this time. Get over here. You should get him. I'm going to try. I'm going to ask him. Why will it hurt? Yeah. yeah right. Well, one of you could go ask him down there. Yeah. <laughs> then when security takes, well, there was a gentleman who stalked Tony Levin was yeah. taken out. <laughs> He had weird eyes. No, the thing is, I, bad. I usually stick to people I <laughs> Looks know. Looks like he recently shaved. <laughs> I usually stick to people I know, and you can sort of tell I do sort of get around by the people I know. But yeah. I am sort of reaching out to more people because the show's doing well. It's fun. And all, unless you get somebody who's a, you find out, well, so-and-so turned out to be a total dick. <laughs> all they can say, you know, that we don't have time, we can't yeah. do it. That's all you can do. Yeah. Or maybe some people can't do stuff without running it by their... Oh, there are some. I won't yeah. mention names, but there are a couple people you'd have to go through their agent. Who wants yeah. to? Oh, we want like five samples, right? You know. Then oh, you got this guy who's a bum on your show, who's staying in the 
thing for three months or whatever. <laughs> that sounds like the image we want. No, no but a lot <laughs> of people are very positive and want to, you know, they just say, oh, yeah, cool. I'll, you know, I have time, we'll do it. Sometimes you really got to be open-minded, though. I mean, if you can keep an open mind, I, I think, you know, I, I've done things like people ask me to play certain things. Next thing you know, I'm really... You you got friend or you you, you like their music or actually, it opens you up to things you didn't you wouldn't have thought of yourself. And we've so. got like our regulars now, like you, you, Luke, John, Heidi, or yeah, have to be back. But else, but also we're gonna have a surprise coming up. We're going to have actually somebody who's an actor and a comedian from L.A. Oh, sweet. so we won't oh, just cool. be talking about music all the time. <laughs> I know Carnival of Random is like what's your musician this week? Yeah, but any predictions from you since you said that? I predict that uh, this will all be back to normal by April. That's my prediction. I, I'm I'm going out on a limb. I'm hoping so. I'm thinking that it's going to be a good spring and a, and a good summer, and we're kind of on the tail end of it. That's You're going to go big on this one. I'm going, I'm going big, yeah. I was just pre- going to predict to be like a new brand of Doritos or something. <laughs> I was happy when Kathy Hochul became governor, but now I'm not so sure. Really? Well, that's what we we tried. That's we I think we're stuck with her for a while. Yeah, we try to avoid because who wants to hear that stuff? But I, you know what? I got to the point with politicians was like, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm not going to, you know, bang my head against the wall because otherwise, if you start worrying about every crazy thing, you have no control of. Yeah, you're yelling into the void, man. It's yeah. not yeah. worth it. Yeah. But that was but cool. This is uh, good ad lib as usual. Yeah, well, because I, we have to do the. The, the intro shows, and of course, we're not going to run it first. We're going to run Vicky's show first because people don't want to hear that one. <laughs> but we got a lot of fun stuff to cook, but we're going to play. This is our good friend Sean McVeigh's Van King Buffalo. And they've been very busy in the studio during this time. He was on here, but they're still recording. They've done a couple. This is his new EP. It's Acheron, and they do these one word songs, which are like. Epic, and I always call them a cross between Pink Floyd and Black Sabbath. What's the name again? I'll show you the CD. I don't want to pronounce it again. You no, know, his name? Uh, it's King Buffalo. It's oh. for Sean McVeigh. Oh, okay. And uh, you probably, you got to know him. Or yeah, he was out here. I just wanted to get... Yeah, but we're going to play uh, Cerberus because I can actually pronounce that one on a couple <laughs> other ones, and I like the little puppy imagery. But cool, so we're going to play King Buffalo. Check them out if they... Maybe they'll play Thanksgiving Eve again here. They're usually in Europe. And I've been in touch with Sean a lot. He's been in this thing just making music. Yeah, So cool, cool man. This is for like you, that. Sean, and everybody. And this is for 2022. Yeah, Doug about a hellhound for 2022 is a mascot. <laughs> Excellent. And thanks to Greg, you can go home now. Okay. And thanks a lot. <laughs> See ya.